This is Tamara Lexo, the Executive Director of Hopeful Hearts Ministry. Hopeful Hearts Ministry is a place where hope is reclaimed. We strive to alleviate the suffering and restore self-worth to survivors of trauma and abuse. We are a faith-based ministry supporting long-term recovery for adults through one-on-one peer support, group sessions, book studies, retreats, and public awareness. Welcome to Hopeful Hearts Podcast. We're glad you're here. Hi, this is Shannon. (laughs) Hi, this is Shannon Carr. I am the founder of Hopeful Hearts Ministry, and I'm with my awesome cohort. Hi, Tamara Lexo. I am the executive director of Hopeful Hearts Ministry. This is so much fun, uh, Tamara, that we're doing this kind of for our first time on YouTube and hopefully be, or not YouTube, on Zoom, Zoom. and then taping it uh, to put it on YouTube. And I'm old and I'm having to wear my um, reading glasses. So that's distracting me. Just saying. I get it. I get it. Um, (laughs) I actually should probably have mine on. That's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Well, I'm very excited about our show today. Um, I hate, you know, we've, we've had a little bit of a a break and so I'm excited to get everything going again and, and we're trying something new. We decided um, because hopeful hearts has a uh, YouTube channel we wanted to be able to make sure to add these to that as well so that people could watch what we're doing. You can see our faces, see the craziness of who we are. But um, but then for the rest of you listening to the podcast, you still get to be a part of it as well. Um, so, and, um, you know, if we are hoping to get a few true uh, sponsors for this podcast. So if you are listening and you're a business owner and you would like to help support the healing of those that have suffered through trauma and abuse in their past. Um, by helping us do this podcast, please reach out to myself or Tamara. You could go to hopefulheartsministry.org and you could reach either one of us to do so. So uh, we're just grateful to have you guys here today. So Tamara, what are what is it that we are talking about today? Today we are talking about numbing our And the idea is that uh, we're designed to fully experience and feel everything that happens around us. We're designed to feel joy and pain. Our brains were created in a way for us to be able to delight in joyful moments, to mourn in sorrowful, sorrowful, I have trouble with that word, sorrowful (laughs) moments, um, to be anger, um, to have anger and be angry when there's injustice uh, in our lives. But as humans, our tendency is to try to numb those feelings sometimes, the ones that are uncomfortable for us. We don't like to feel those. So we push them way down deep. And uh, the problem with that is that when you numb one feeling, you numb all feelings. So um, not being able to experience sorrow or mourning or um, anger means that you're never going to feel the highs of complete joy Mm -hmm. either. 
And numbing is something that we do a lot as survivors because we had to, mm-hmm. some of us had to, um, we learned, we taught ourselves to numb, to take ourselves out of painful moments, um, to kind of dissociate. So, mm-hmm. um, so we're going to talk about that today. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad I love, I love this topic um, because it's so true. I mean, especially if you've been through childhood trauma, you've been, you know, subjected yourself to years, probably decades, just like myself, where maybe you don't feel like you deserve to have true joy, Yeah, you know, um, that you don't deserve to have that true joy, true happiness, true, um, just being able to feel what life has to offer. I know for many years, I didn't, um, I didn't really feel that I was going to be able to know what love was like without having to suffer through a great amount of sorrow because I couldn't be a hundred percent, you know, that I constantly had like a thorn in my side, if you will. And, um, I didn't know how to fully love and receive love because of the, actually, I mean, this is going to sound maybe confusing, but maybe because of the lack of boundaries, um, that I had because of the abuse and then the kind of unhealthy boundaries that they set up because then I kind of put this wall up around me. Right. And that's what we do is, is in numbing ourselves, numbing ourselves from, from everything. Right. And I feel like too, when we, um, when we say, I don't want to feel this right now, so I'm going to numb it out. Uh, it prevents us from being able to, to heal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's like, you know, some people might say, oh, well, you're just putting a bandaid on it. I don't think it's even that because, you know, at least a bandaid protects and allows things from getting in, you know, but uh, numbing means that you're not, you're not addressing the real issue. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's just there still, it's just festering. Mm-hmm. underneath so you know um so go ahead no I just what I found with we do this a lot because you say things and I'm like oh you know what I found within doing this over the years is and for myself included it's kind of why I began hopeful hearts to to start with is there are so many people that have gone through their past you know past childhood trauma past mm-hmm. childhood abuse um even as a teenager maybe even a first marriage and you have, you know, put it away so much that, um, you know, you, you've gotten to a point where you've just stuffed it and stuffed it and stuffed it that you don't even know how to bring it out. And then, and then the, the smallest chance that you start talking about it or start bringing it out that you start feeling that numbness goes away. Right. So you start feeling and you start feeling the pain, you start feeling that uncomfortable, like not just pressing on a bruise, but really sticking your finger into that nasty scar. And it's like, Mm -hmm. ah, I don't want to do this. And I would have so many people say, I just, I I just, I don't even want to do it right now. Like, I I don't want to, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through the pain. And so they just stop. They -hmm. just stop. And then they stop the whole healing process because that fear of that, of feeling again, because they've been so numb, they've forgotten that, you know, that, what's the other word? What's another word for feeling? They've forgotten that sensation. Sensation. Yes. Right. 
Right. Of But, you know, I think what is so heartbreaking is for us to truly feel that pain, we must also know a great amount of, of joy. And because you don't go with one without the other. And what often then is so wonderful to see is those that say, okay, I'm going to do this. Like I'm about, you know, helping myself and going on this healing journey. And so when they do that and they go through the work and they feel that pain, they recognize Mm -hmm. that once you go through it, that Mm -hmm. you can start, like you start then again, feeling that sensation of what happiness is and what joy is and, and pride, you know, good pride for yourself for having gone through that journey. And I think that's just what's so important. I agree. I totally agree. So um, before we go any further with that, what, what are some examples of numbing? Let's talk about, about that. Um, well, first of all, let's say this. So we keep saying numbing and someone got, might be saying, I don't even know what, what that, that means. Is. And we're talking about when you avoid or um, try to escape feelings. Um, it's when you're, you know, you're trying to protect yourself from feeling something, but as we just said, it's not really um, it's not really protecting. It's, it's just mm-hmm. talking it away. Um, but what are some, some common examples of numbing? Well, I mean, I know for myself in, in high school was definitely, you know, drinking alcohol mm-hmm. and, you know, doing any kind of substance um, abuse is, yeah tends to be one of the first things that people go towards um, mm-hmm. in that sense of numbing. And I, I want to make this very clear. I mean, there's, there's alcoholism is a disease, mm-hmm. you know, um, being an addict of any kind of substance, that is an actual disease that can be hereditary and handed mm-hmm. down. And I think it's so important if you have alcoholism in your family or, or any kind of an addiction issue in your family that to know that, you know, that you're subject to that as well. Right. But not everybody that maybe has gone through numbing with alcohol is necessarily an alcoholic. Right. <laughs> I just want right. to point that out there. Um, but it is a tool that is often used because it's like, mm-hmm. I just want to escape. I just want to get away. I don't want to think about this anymore. Um, you know, and, and, and that's where it becomes really dangerous, um, a dangerous aspect of that. I know another one is eating. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, um, and this is probably more prevalent. That's m- my big one is, is food. Is, um, yeah. I deal with that still with my therapist, um, you know, trying to, I know when it started, I know it started after my mom's suicide. Um, mm. And I've really been processing just in the past couple months, a lot about why I took that on because I was. Um, I was very healthy. I was very fit. I was a tiny little thing growing up. Um, my mom wasn't, but she used food as a way to show love to people. Mm-hmm. She was an excellent cook, an excellent baker. Uh, she was just really talented in just about every way. And um, she she fed people. I mean, hospitality was a thing. It was like, come over to our house and make you this excellent meal and just make you feel loved. And, um, within hours of her suicide, people were bringing 
food to me. It was just me. It wasn't like <laughs> I had a house full. <laughs> right. Um, but somehow during that time, I transferred that feeling of, oh, this is how my mom loved them. And so they're giving that love back to me. And mm -hmm. uh, so I, when I'm sad or stressed or, you know, upset, I tend to look for something barbrich, <laughs> you know, I like something <laughs> heavy, something sweet. Um, yeah. You know, it, I, I don't want to feel those things and it feels good to have a donut or it feels good to have biscuits and gravy, you know, so I would, I'll numb those, those feelings with food. Oh my gosh. There's, I just watched a movie, um, because, um, truth be told, he is kind of my Hollywood crush, you know, do you, do you and Chuck ever have those people that you, I know I'm going way off topic here, but no, I'm not going off topic. I promise. No, I, I, know. I just watched yeah. a movie that I want to talk mm -hmm. about, but do you have those people that you're like, oh, I've yeah. got these, you know, Hollywood yeah. crushes Hollywood that crush. if they ever came around, right? Right. <laughs> right. Anyway, that would never happen. But yeah. Um, hold on. I don't know what just happened. Sorry. I like a phone oh. call went through. Um, I love Brendan Fraser. Absolutely. Oh God, love. I knew you were going to say that. I knew as soon as, <laughs> as soon as we said, and you said the movie, and you said I love. <laughs> Shannon, our friendship may have to be over. I'm sorry. What? You don't like Brendan Fraser? <laughs> what oh. are you being? Are you being serious right now, Tamara? I am being so serious. You don't right like now. him? Why? Why? I, I have I a want very to know why. I have a very petty reason. <laughs> um, one, it, I mean, this was a million years ago when he was a big star, like the first time. Yeah, when he did Soul Ties, it was fantastic. I love that movie. <laughs> um, he did. He did a commercial. He was on, um, like The Daily Show or something with John Stewart. And he did this little yeah. promo thing and it was like, um, hi, I'm Brendan Fraser and I'm going to be on The Daily Show. And yes, it's Fraser, not Fraser for all you idiots out there. It's Fraser. Uh -uh. Well, then I'm an idiot because I've been saying Fraser, not Fraser. Yeah. So. There was something about <laughs> Sorry, like, Brendan. Like, Brendan. <laughs> something about that promo and I was like I'm sorry I can't ever look at him again like it just that is that's so how petty I am well he pissed you off Excuse my out of my life. but you know what that's <laughs> he good called you an idiot he, that's fine if he ever shows up in Kingwood you can have him and I'll I'll be like go for it <laughs> excuse me that is hilarious all right, well, back back Sorry. to our segment. The whale. Um, that's on me. I mean, I know. It's the whale. Yes, the whale. It is a great, it's hard to watch, but it's a great movie. But it is a great example of what we're talking about here, the numbing oh, of the pain. I know, you kind of do. I mean, because it's a great example. I mean, be careful in the first scene, I will say. The first scene's like, oh my God, I don't, don't want to watch this. But, um, you know, it, it's it's... I don't want to give it away, but I mean, it's a story about a yeah. gentleman that literally just holds himself up because of tragedy and mm -hmm. eats himself to death. 
mean, he literally pretty much eats himself to death and it's, it's just heartbreaking, but it, you know what, there's so much about childhood abuse in this that, Mm -hmm. you know, just in regards to his relationship with his daughter and, and what she was feeling. And then, you know, um, but in some ways it, it is beautiful that you know, cause he tries to have a relationship with her again and he really does recognize his fault in what, you know, he did by abandoning her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but anyway, I, I could go on. I, I, I like, I like Brendan Fraser. I do. Fraser. And Fraser. <laughs> he did win an and Oscar for that movie. So he did win it. I was very proud of him and, um, it was a really good movie, but it was a good movie just because of what you and I do and what we've gone through right. and no, what we'll we just, help other people with. <laughs> try not to throw up in my mouth a little bit. Okay. <laughs> but back to numbing, but that's, I mean, honestly, it's truly an example of, uh, the extent of what we can yeah. take to numbing well um, and then speaking of of movies and yeah shows and all that's that's another thing especially um this became more prevalent i think during the pandemic when people were home and it was like um oh well, i can binge all 17 seasons of the real housewives of whatever town mm. you know and um mm-hmm. Whatever we didn't town. want to watch news or <laughs> right. anything else. And um, streaming services are so, I mean, we can get what, we have a whole world of entertainment just right. on our phone. And um, I catch myself doing that sometimes, like turning on just crap and I'm not uh-huh. even really watching it, but I don't want to be alone with my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like if I've been stressed and... I've been working hard on something and I don't want to think anymore. It's like, I'll turn on something. And I think that's okay mm-hmm. every now and then to go, you know what? I just want some mindless entertainment. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to turn mm-hmm. something on that makes me laugh or makes me smile or whatever, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that. But when it becomes a habit and it mm-hmm. is interfering with regular life, right? that's when it's- any of these things become a problem. Mm-hmm. When it overtakes or goes into your relationships or, you know, that you're on your phone You know, I was uh, visiting a friend over the weekend in Mississippi and some, uh, one of her, you know, best friend walks in and, and we're all sitting there, we're all visiting and her friend gets on her phone. I didn't really, honestly, I don't know the woman, so I wasn't thinking much about it. Well, my friend's husband goes, so-and-so, I mean, do I have to take the phone away from you? Are you going to get off your phone? Are we not having it? Did you come over to visit or did you come over oh. to like get on your phone? <laughs> I was like, okay. Now they have a relationship that, I mean, yeah. it was a, it's joking, but not apparently she right. has an addiction to just, you know, getting on her right. phone. But um, yeah, anyway, I, it was, it brought something up for me like, oh, you know, I mean, the phone definitely can be an addiction too, especially, yeah. I mean, think about our kids and think about oh yeah, how they, you know, numb their minds. They're just right. watching TikTok or they're, right. you know, scrolling through whatever it is that they're scrolling through and they just keep going and they're mm-hmm. not even thinking about yeah. anything. They're just numbing whatever it is that right. they're suffering through that day. Yeah. I could sound like an old lady and be like, these kids don't even know how to be bored these anymore. Kids. <laughs> these days, but I do the same thing. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. Grocery store line, and I'm like, oh, 
I got time. Instagram. Let me just scroll and see right. what I see here. You know, I mean, I'm the first. I do watch a few of the, uh, you know, the New Jersey housewives. I mean, sometimes I feel like I could just get a, a thing of popcorn and go sit on my corner and yeah. just start watching it like live. Right? <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, that's uh, Bravo. <laughs> I'm kidding not right um yeah and then exercise I, you know I know exercise is another thing that um is definitely an example I mm-hmm. I have I, I I won't say I wish it was me but I wish maybe half of this was me but you know I know somebody that will exercise in the morning, then they'll come home and they'll exercise in the evening. And then they're running mm-hmm. another, you know, four miles. And you're like, good gosh. Um, I mean, just and in many ways, it's to get that high. It's to get the adrenaline right. rush to get those uh-huh. endorphins going. And it's the only thing that could get them, you know, into that better state, right. that better place. Right. But in some ways, they're then physically tearing their, their joints and their body down. Um, yeah. You know, they need rest and and recovery. And then, um, you know, one of the other things that I know is, is, is sex. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, it is. Um, I, I can't say that's mine, but I'm not, just kidding. Not mine either. <laughs> or, or the exercise or that they're not my predictions. No, but you know, I, I, I know that, um, so many people go for different things for whatever reason, right? Here we've got yeah. these new little microphones. I know I keep knocking it over. Um, and like, I noticed that, you know, it's no, no, I'm not telling something that I shouldn't be telling here. I talk about it all the time, but all, you know, my two sisters and my mom, we were all abused by the same person, my grandfather, mm-hmm. and we all acted out differently. We all right. chose something different to number ourselves. And, um, you know, you see, I mean, you can't determine what's going to cause somebody to go and become more sexually, you know, um, what's the word you would call when somebody's like sexually active, I guess, or whatever, just addicted to that behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Or who's going to eat or who's going to go to alcohol, whatever. It just, it just is something that probably arises or, you know, you had food delivered to you. Did it Mm -hmm. maybe start that way just because that was what was there? You know, I don't know. Could it be predisposed because of what's genetically, you know, within our family? Yeah. You know, possibly. Yeah. One day we're going to have doctors on here that are going to answer some of these questions for us. We are. More than just our, our little ponderings here. Um, (laughs) But I think one of the the most important things is that we have to come to a place where we realize what we're doing. You know, we have to um, step out of denial. <laughs> that's, they always say, you know, that's the first step in any kind of healing or recovery is to, to step out of the denial that you're doing it. Because I think for a lot of us, it does become a completely unconscious behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you learn as a small child, not to touch the stovetop because it's hot. 
you know, so anytime you get near the stove now, you don't have to think, oh, I shouldn't touch that. It's hot. You, you just don't touch it because it was mm -hmm. on and you were cooking and you know, it's still hot and it's just, it's becomes a natural, uh, a natural behavior. And I think the same thing happens to us when, when we get these addictions or, um, you know, we learn to numb ourselves and it's like, oh, um, you know, for someone it might be like, well, my husband's coming home and I don't like how we communicate or don't communicate or whatever. So I better start drinking my brain now um, mm -hmm. because I need to take the edge off before he gets here or, um, you know, shopping. We did, we didn't say that one, but, um, I have I've had problems with that in the past too. And I think, um, it's one that any, just about any, any of us could, could mm -hmm. understand when you go, what? I'm not feeling good today. I'm going to just buy myself something pretty and you feel mm -hmm. better for a little bit, you know, but then you got to pay the credit card bills. <laughs> Right. The or bills you, keep you know, adding up. And... Right. Or, you know, you get a stain on your new dress that you bought to make yourself feel pretty or you use up the candle you bought or whatever that thing. You know, it's not a lasting fix for anything. Mm -hmm. um, so we do these things and we don't think about them, but we have to come to a place where, where we do think about it, where we do realize this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing. Do you mm -hmm. think that do you think you can stop these behaviors on your own or I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm just a stopping here, but like, yeah, like if you, if you realize, okay, like for me, I say, okay, I am fully aware that I have a tendency to eat if I'm sad or, you know, depressed or stressed out. I tend to eat now, and I think food is a hard one because you have to eat, you know, it's not like, um, you know, you don't have to have Netflix or you don't have to go to the store to buy a new purse or a new car or a new watch or whatever your thing is, you know, um, you have to eat, but for me, it's not, it's more than that. So, um, I've acknowledged that do you think when you acknowledge something that you can overcome it on your own or you need therapy or accountability or somebody? I, don't, I mean, I, I just having done this with Helpful Hearts for over a decade now, I've seen people overcome and do great things, um, you know, by finding out what those triggers are, by setting up... Um, you know, um, something to do, you know, telling myself if, if I feel this trigger, if I, if somebody hurts my feelings and I'm what I find myself in the pantry and I'm going towards that, you know, sleeve of, or I should say the freezer and then going towards that sleeve of Girl Scout cookies. Um, you know, I, I need to recognize like, Oh, wait a second. Like I'm obviously triggered. I need to step away and I need to ask myself, you know, what, what was it? that triggered me. I need to deal with that before I go and choose the yeah. cookie. And then if I can deal with it and go, okay, you know, this person said this, or I read this or, you know, whatever it was that triggered you, I smelled this, you know, whatever, what was it making me feel? How do I 
-hmm. What was it making me feel? What is the lie behind that feeling? And then what is my truth? Is that still happening to me in this moment? You know, is it affecting my current presence of what I'm doing within my relationship, within my job, within my family? Um, and however it is that you can answer those and that if you feel good about that response and it's not something that maybe, or it could be something that you go, you know what, I don't like all my answers to those responses. This is something I need to work on in therapy. <laughs> and that's how you kind of find those moments that you have to write yeah. down and go, okay, I, I think I kind of need to focus on this because it keeps coming up and I'm not quite mm -hmm. over it yet. But when you can go through all of that and you've done that, and this could take a matter of just minutes or you could sit yeah. with it in time. And then you could go back to that freezer and then maybe you might find that you'll only take two cookies instead of the sleeve, mm -hmm. right? Right. You, you find that you can, it's not that you have to step away from it completely, but you learn your boundaries behind it. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. my thought. And that's what I've no, seen. I, and that's, I what think I've that's great. I think that's a, that is a great, well, a great answer to that because I think it, you kind of have to handle it the same way you would, um, for instance, my daughter had some, she was having some stomach issues uh, last year and the doctor suggested that she keep a food diary or food journal and write down you know, the things that she was eating, the time of day that she was eating. And then, you know, that would help her see if there were any things that were triggering the stomach aches. Um, and I think that we can do that with our, with our behaviors, you know, at the end of every day, um, or, you know, as the day goes on, if, you know, if you're super responsible and, and on it, but, you know, for me, it would be like at the end of the day to say, okay, um, what good things, you know, how did I respond well to things today? Where am I proud of myself and the way I responded and where are the, the areas that, that I didn't respond so well, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and then take note, what was I? what was I wearing? What was I, you know, what was the air feeling like around me? And, um, you know, taking in account all of this, all of the circumstances around, because we can be triggered into mm -hmm. doing these behaviors, these behaviors that aren't necessarily healthy for us by things that we wouldn't, we wouldn't even expect, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be oh, somebody came in and they were terrible to you. And so you ate cookies. I mean, it could be a song that came on you know, a commercial or mm -hmm. um, you know, a scent. I know you've got, you've said before, like coffee breath. Coffee mm -hmm. is the thing. Yeah. Just to smell, to smell that. And, um, you know, and so making note of that and go, okay, what was going on? Where was I? What was going on around me? Um, mm -hmm. So that, so that we can, be more knowledgeable about it and deal with mm -hmm. it appropriately. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to, to note here, let me pull it, pull it up here. There was um, a Bible verse that I thought that I had written down here that I thought was, was really pertinent to this. And this is from Psalm chapter 30. And this was David crying out to the Lord. He says to you, Lord, I called to the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I'm silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. 
You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. And I thought mm. that was just a perfect picture of yes. going, okay, I'm in all this despair and I'm in this pain, but God, I need you to rescue me. Mm -hmm. And then in the next breath, he's praising God for rescuing him, for bringing him up. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's where we want to be is in a place where we can call out to God when we're feeling the things that are uncomfortable, when we're feeling the things that are painful, um, you know, when we're getting upset and we can say, God, I need you because mm -hmm. these sentiments aren't going to help me. That was <laughs> we're talking about him though. I'm like, oh, I really know, right? I'm like, <laughs> no, yeah. I I agree, and and um, are, should we be going on a break? It just hit me. Well, do we know how this? I know y'all are all going to hear this, so I'm going to hear this because we're, we're just we're doing the slide. So, <laughs> I, think I think we're good. We've got. Like, okay. Uh, well, I had a thought. Wrap the whole it's, thing up. <laughs> well, I had a thought. So um, I write a blog for um, a, uh, not a podcast, a blog called Prime Soil, primesoil.com. Um, it's just specifically um, a Catholic blog, but it's, um, but and, I mean, it's really open for anybody, but I write my Just Show Up blog there. And today it just really hit me. I was thinking about my mom for some reason. And this was after reading a book that um, just opened up the door to how sometimes because of what we've been through and because of what we've been through in our past, it was the book um, Winter Garden by Hannah. Um, yes. Oh, what's her last name? I'm uh, find it. Keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay. Yeah. Winter Garden. And the story is about a uh, this family, these two daughters and their mother who's from Russia, and they and they grow up barely knowing her, barely like she's just very hard, uh, very kind of um, no emotion, no, you know, it's just and so it's this whole story is just kind of about this dynamic of this family and coming to know this woman's story and why she's been numb, why she's been numb and cold and maybe not Kristen as Hannah. loving. Kristen Hannah's Winter Garden. Yes. She great. wrote The Nightingale, which is super popular. Yes. I haven't read that one yet. I need to probably read that. It's like her favorite. It's like the most known, yeah. I think, of the ones she's written. I've read yeah. a lot of hers, but not that one. But yeah. The Great Alone is fantastic. Yes. Alaska. Yes. Awesome. But anyway, so she gives this great dynamic. I wish, I mean, one day I'm a writer. I wish that I could write these great books too. But mm -hmm. um, she gives this great dynamic of, uh, you know, this family and this mother and this mother who's been hiding. She's not mm -hmm. been talking she's not been you know telling her story and it made me think of my own mother and you know growing up like I said I mean she was abused by her father but she didn't tell anybody mm -hmm. and so she wasn't one to necessarily be 
um, affectionate and, you know, all those things. And, and I knew she loved me. She was a great right. caregiver and, and she right. did a lot for us. And, um, but she wasn't like a, I'm going to pull you in and hug you, or I'm going to mm-hmm. kisses all over your face, you know, right. things like that. Now my father was, so it's like, you know, I never mm-hmm. doubted how I was cared for. Um, but it wasn't until I was in high school and I was going through, um, I mean, I'm not high school, college, when I was going through a rape trial in college. And it was it was intense. And it was my first time to really speak up. And I had to tell my parents. And that's when I learned of my mom's abuse. And she drove the four hours to be with me at SFA. And just in us talking, it's like she opened up and started to finally share mm-hmm. about what she had been through. And I didn't get her full story in that one moment. It took probably good the next 10 years for it really to all come out and and come Mm -hmm. out in the open because it was more than just her father. I mean, having lived through that, then she got into this, you know, first marriage that was abusive and there was a lot that went in that. He was a Vietnam uh, vet, uh, God Mm -hmm. bless him and for his service. But unfortunately, as we all know, that really brought a lot of traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of that behind my mom as well and her story. And just being able to get to know my mom and have her open up and bring her stuff into the light, you know, really, I think, helped us to break some generational bondage that was happening. And for me to embrace her and to understand her and to forgive her and um, you know, be able to move forward on a different level of healing and then also look at myself in a deeper way and know mm-hmm. that if I can talk about this and share this, maybe my kids will understand why I'm so whacked out right. sometimes, or <laughs> maybe they can look back and go, okay, you know, don't maybe expect them to know it now or to receive it now or understand mm-hmm. it now. No, not necessarily, but Anyway, just um, as we were talking about, you know, how do we stop and how do we change the biggest thing? And it's it's really what Hopeful Heart's mission has been is bring what's been done to us in the darkness out into the light, you know, bringing everybody into the light of Christ. And it's being able to share our stories and to Mm -hmm. talk about it and to find that safe place, whether it's with you know, just your loved one, but hopefully also with a therapist and to work through and, and to pinpoint those, those triggers and how, you know, and get your toolbox full of what you can do to, you know, to continue to improve and, and work Mm -hmm. on yourself. So anyway, it just made me think about that. I love that. I love that. So um, for our listeners out here, uh, where can they find out more information? about Hopeful Hearts Ministry? Yeah, so go to hopefulheartsministrysingular.org, hopefulheartsministry.org. Also, um, and then you can find us on YouTube, as I was saying, this is kind of one thing I hope that we can upload on YouTube as well. We have many different videos. Uh, We used to do I Have a Voice videos, which I really do hope to film a few more in the next year or two. Um, We have some great survivor thrivers that are wanting to get their stories out there. And I I just, there's all different kinds of stories. And like I just said, we all need to share our story and that helps us to feel again. It helps us to come out of that numbing. Um, But as I said, hopefulheartsministry.org. 
Um, and also another thing I would love for us to do is if you have anything that you would love for Tamara and I to address in these podcasts, if you could email info at hopefulheartsministry.org, or you can email Tamara, it's Tamara at hopefulheartsministry.org, or it's Shannon at hopefulheartsministry.org, it, it will get to us, either Tamara, we'll, Shannon, we'll find it somehow. <laughs> And we would love to know what you want to hear about. And we do plan to, especially now that we can do it this way, now that we're doing, um, I'm so sorry if y'all can hear the dings. That's, uh, can you hear that, Tamara? The dings? Okay, good, good. <laughs> My computer's dinging at me because all these people oh. are texting. Um, sorry, but if, you know, I, I, I would love us to be able to know that we're talking about something that really hits you that will affect you that if you need help with something um, we won't bring your name up we won't you know but we would just love to hear from you uh no matter yeah, what if you absolutely would, you um so yeah is there anything well, else i can't think of no else. i think um just a, a reminder that you are not alone uh, if you're listening to this and you're thinking um well my trauma or my abuse or the way I numb myself is so terrible. It's so embarrassing. I could never, ever talk about it to anybody. I promise you that there's really, I, I just can't imagine anything out there that Shannon and I haven't heard some version of or lived ourselves. Um, and the world, the enemy, the enemy wants you to think that you're problems are too big, that there's no hope for you, but that's what we're here for is to bring hope. Uh, so look for us, hopefulheartsministry.org. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, if you would give us a like and a subscribe, that would be awesome because that- <laughs> Now we could have uh, more than hundreds of followers, right? <laughs> we have tens of followers. Tens of followers. <laughs> Uh, out there so we would love love to have more of you of you listening and uh calling in to us share it with a friend that's right and one last thing we do have an event if you're in the kingwood area or surrounding area of the of houston or you could even drive down from dallas if you would like uh, but in texas we have an event coming up tamara you want to say a little yes, bit about on that? saturday april the 15th so it's the weekend after easter uh, Saturday, April the 15th from 10 o'clock in the morning till noon, 12 noon, um, just a two hour event we are having at Christ the King Lutheran Church in Kingwood, Texas, and it's a time of, of hope building. The event is called Holding On to Hope. There's so much hope that's talked about with Easter, and then after Easter, we go, okay, well, what, what now? And so we're going to talk about holding on to hope, and we're going to look at God's word. We're going to Share stories. I mean, Shannon and I can tell a story together <laughs> in the park. So we're going to share some stories. We're going to laugh a lot that morning. Um, we're going to do some practice breathing and some exercises. That way, um, I promise it won't hurt. It's going to be a fun morning together. Men, women, uh, you're all welcome. Well, you can register for that event at hopefulheartsministry.org. So thank you for being with us today. Awesome. We are so glad you were here to listen or watch us and we will see you next time.